glad you've chosen to join us now. This is In the Studio with Michael Card, and I'm Wayne Shepard. Our weekly podcast uh, coming to you now. Michael, thank you for uh, investing this time again. Yeah, it's great to be with you. Coming to you from Chicago. Well, you come to Chicago to record now, mm-hmm. and all the way from Franklin, Tennessee. Yes, sir. It's a it's a it's quite a hike up here. But Speaking of hikes, we're going to travel from ancient urban Rome to modern urban America yes. in the next hour yeah. on the program here today. Yeah, uh, the 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 breadth of this this program is is uh, is pretty significant. Our focus will be on cities. We're going to begin with the ancient city of Rome. We'll talk about the fire that destroyed Rome and how with, that fits into the Book of Mark. And we're going to be talking with a real Roman. How about that, <laughs> yeah. Corrado Primavera? All right, he'll join us. And then later we'll talk with Dr. John Feuder, Doc. We'll talk about uh, the spiritual uh, life of America and what needs to be done. And of this city, Chicago, what's being done here. As a model for other cities. Yes. Because this is where... There's a lot of violence, and uh, but God's people are rising up in the city. Yeah, it's a remarkable story. Speaking of cities, Uh uh, you've traveled the world. Do you have a favorite city? Yeah, without a without a, a doubt, my favorite city is Belfast. Oh. I love uh, Belfast, uh, Northern Ireland. Oh, yeah, the, the greening of Belfast is one of your songs. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that that sort of came out of it, it being my favorite. But Belfast is the sort of place where you you sit sit down on the bus next to someone, and they turn to you and say, "So how are you then?" And then in five minutes, you're best friends. Uh, it's I've never known a, a, another city like that. Nashville used to be sort of like that, but it's not. Like, unfortunately, it's not like that anymore. But Belfast is just this wonderful city. When I wrote that song, I, the line is, uh, "The air is full of angels there." That, that's that's the best I could do to describe what it feels like to be in Belfast. Mm-hmm. Do you go back to Belfast often? As often as I can. Uh-huh. Yeah. You you tour England, uh, we do, and you make it to Belfast. We do. We frequently play. You know, it just it's a matter of you know, is there somebody there that's willing to, you know, stick their neck out and do a concert? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And speaking of that, by the way, your website michaelcard dot com has the upcoming tours. Yep. and The schedule. Yep. So if we're coming close to to your city in uh, in that part of the world or this part of the world, that's right. Uh, you can keep up with what's going on with Michael there. And thank you for your support of this podcast. Um, we just simply ask that you listen and pass along what you hear and enjoy on this program to others. Yeah, and we get so many uh, good comments, encouraging comments from listeners. And uh, we want you to know uh, we we read all those and uh, we take all of that in and they, they are a great encouragement to us. But let's start all this off uh, this week again with one of your songs. Mm-hmm. We're going to ask you to sing Pilgrims to the City of God. Mm-hmm. By the way, here we are in mid-July. It was mid-July that the fire right, uh, took July, place in Rome many centuries ago. Right, 18th, 19th, uh, burned for two weeks, thought it was out, and it, it came back. It was, uh, I think, three-quarters of the city was burned to the ground, and the Christians were blamed for it. Yeah, and any school kid has the image of Nero fiddling, we yes. used to say. Yes, of course, the fiddle hadn't been invented yet, <laughs> okay. but let's not, we won't get into that. Uh, but he was singing on a balcony that was overlooking the fire when, uh, Okay. yeah. Well, we'll check that out with uh, our guest here in just a moment. Corrado will fill us in on those right. details. But yeah. Let's get back to the song, Pilgrims in the City of God. Yeah, this uh, city of God, I mean, Augustine used that that term, and uh, he was referring to, um, I'm, I think it can refer to Jerusalem. I think it can refer to Rome. Uh, but I think ultimately the city of God is is our final destination where all of us are, all of us who know Jesus are, are, are headed Um but uh, this is a song that just celebrates the fact that uh, what, whatever you're suffering, whatever you're going through, whether it's persecution in Rome or whether it's uh, the more, more persecution now in, uh, amongst the Christian community, especially in Africa, but all over the world than at any time in the history of the world, more martyrs today than far more than any time. Well, it's our starting point today. Pilgrims yeah. to the City of God. Here's Michael. We hopefully look for is just beyond sight. We are 
Pleasure now we introduce our guest who rejoins us here on the program, Dr. Corrado Primavera. Yes, it's so good to have you on the show, Corrado. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My great pleasure to talk with you. Yeah. Whenever I have a friend who's going to Rome, I give them all of your contact information. And if you want to walk around the the ruins of Rome with someone who can bring it all to life, uh, you are the man. So uh, thanks for being on the program with us. Thank you. My pleasure. You are too kind. Yeah. <laughs> All the way from Rome, he joins us here today for a very special reason. Yes, we're well. We're, we're uh, we want to talk about the life situation of the Gospel of Mark, and without realizing it, uh, people um, people read the Gospel of Mark and don't understand that something happened in Rome that that Mark is responding to, and uh, there are little hints of it and fingerprints of it all the, all the way through. But um, what you have to understand is uh, that there had been a great fire in Rome in 64, and um, in response to that uh, fire, persecution uh, breaks out. And it's in that context that Mark writes his gospel. And uh, again, we can talk later about the fingerprints, but we wanted to have Corrado come on and, and tell us just about the, the details of that fire and that's an, its initial impact on the Christian community. Can you help us with that? Yes, yes. Let's say that, first of all, uh, because of the housing and uh, the wooden structure, oil lamps and torches, it was quite common in uh, the city of Rome and in the ancient Roman city that from a a spark, a little spark, started a a fire. Mm -hmm. But what was uh, with the fire of Rome in uh, July 1864 under Nero's time, uh, it was very unique fire that destroyed three quarter of the city of Rome, mm-hmm. and uh, that that was in in the second half of the kingdom of the emperor Nero because he started ruling in the fifty three fifty four for fifteen years. And all historians agree that the first half, under the mentorship of Seneca, it was quite a, a, a good emperor. But in the second half, he became really crazy. And mm-hmm. one of the things was that he wanted to really rebuild Rome with a new name under his name, Neropolis. Mm-hmm. And so everyone thought that the fire of the 64 really uh, was 
because Nero wants to destroy it and rebuild the city of Rome. And he wants to build he wants to build a house that covers like a third of the city. Is that right? It is right. It goes from the Oppian Hill on one side, where is today the Colosseum, crossing the Colosseum, because where today we have the Colosseum, it was a lake in his property, and then go toward the other side, where is the Palatine Hill. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so uh, that those days, because the, the, the fire lasted for nine days, and uh, it, it wasn't quenched, at all. Even Chronicle says that Nero went up to the Esquilino Hill, where is Messina's house, mm-hmm. and uh, and out of the terrace of that house, he was playing the lira, uh, say some poems about burning Rome, mm. and uh, and so that so the the real fact of that fire really have to do with uh, the rulership of the Emperor Nero. And everyone knew that, so he has to find a scapegoat, mm-hmm. and that's why he blamed the Christians. Mm-hmm. Because uh, already, you know, the, the, the Christians uh, were not understood by the other Roman citizens because they didn't like the games, they didn't like the people uh, kill each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were recovering kids that were left on the street, and uh, and also all these kinds of things, including they were not worshiping the, the 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 Greek gods, the Roman gods, and and so because of the, all of those reasons, as uh, the Latin writer Tacitus said, that everyone thought that the Christians hate. The uh, the Roman the the humanity uh, of the of the Roman culture, mm-hmm. and uh, and so it was easy for Nero blame the Christians, mm-hmm. and and that stirred up a, a really heavy persecution against them. Mm-hmm. So no one likes the Christians anyway. So we might as well blame them. <laughs> yeah, and um, uh, interesting that. Uh, because of that persecution, many were martyrized and uh, crucified, and uh, and that happened in the Stadium of Nero, where today we have the St. Peter Basilica. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we have the St. Peter Basilica in that location is just because when later on in the time, uh, in the fourth century, when the Emperor Constantine stopped the persecution, gave freedom to Christians, and um, and also uh, gave the privilege to build up the first basilicas, the first Christian basilicas, they chose to build uh, uh, where is the Vatican Hill, because the Stadium of Nero was there, many Christians were martyrized and buried nearby the the nearby necropolis, where mm. today it, we have the Basilica of St. Peter. Mm. And uh, any time I go there, there is, uh, in the center of the square, the obelisk, yes. an original mm. Egyptian mm. obelisk. Mm-hmm. And uh, that obelisk was in the Stadium of Nero. And maybe with the eyes of a kid, <laughs> I sometimes look to that obelisk, imagine that he has eyes and mouth, mm. And, and can speak and uh, and testify what he saw wow. that happened oh, in that stadium of Nero. Wow. And many Christian martyrs uh, blamed because of, of the fire that happened in, uh, in July 64 in Rome. Michael, I'm surprised, I guess, that there isn't more direct reference in Mark to such a horrific event that took place. Well, Mark is letting his readers know his readers who are suffering persecution, that they aren't going to experience anything that Jesus didn't already uh, suffer. And so, and these things are unique to Mark. So only Mark says Jesus' parents or his family think he's out of his mind, which is what the Roman Christians were hearing from their family. Uh, When Mark talks about the Jesus in the, in the, uh, the temptation in the wilderness, Mark is not interested in that story. Mark says one thing. He says, when Jesus was in the wilderness, he was with the wild beasts. Why does Mark, only Mark say that? Because 
his first readers were being thrown to wild beasts oh, okay. in the arena. Right. So uh, there, there's this. Con- it's a it's a very consistent um, uh, reflection of of small details. And once you understand this, and you take the background that Corrado's given us, the the Gospel of Mark just comes to life. Doctor Primavera, yeah. I'll let you add whatever yeah. you want to add. This is fascinating. Yeah, that that is a a, a very nice comment uh, from the Gospel of Mark that might say that because um, really the, the the Christians started during Nero's time uh, to be jailed uh, because they were considered criminals. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the Roman view, uh, they since they claimed to be followers of Christ, according to the Roman justice, they were followers of someone that was punished with crucifixion under a Roman authority, Pontius Pilate. So it's to say, I yes, I am a disciple of Jesus, I am a Christian, was like to say, hey, I am a criminal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am a follower of a criminal. So what, it, it, it was just enough to be jailed. And because in that time, uh, the Roman judgmental system, they didn't have years of prison, but there were just two options coming out of the jail, alive or dead. Mm. So even for fun, for entertainment in the in the stadium, they went to the jails, pick randomly some criminals, some prisoners, and tr- exhibit they, that penalty into the stadium just to entertain the people that were uh, attending the games. And, and in that way, many Christians were martyrized just to entertain the people in the stadium. Mm-hmm. Let me ask this. Uh, of course, the destruction of Jerusalem was just a few years later. Is there any connection between what's going on in Rome with the fire and the aftermath of the fire and the destruction of Jerusalem? Or is that a crazy question? No, it is not a crazy question. The stronger connection is between the games in the stadium and the destruction of the temple. Because after the death of Nero, Vespasian, the first emperor of the Flavian family, became emperor. And while he was emperor in Rome, his son, the oldest son, Titus, was in Jerusalem. And was Titus that destroyed the temple of Jerusalem. With the Roman eyes, they saw gold and silver items in the temple, and they carried back in Rome, along with 20,000 Jews. And everything was sold to make the money to build the greatest stadium in Rome that today we know it is the Colosseum. Mm, So there is a strong connection between the destruction of the Temple of Jerusalem and the building up of the Colosseum in Rome. So whenever you see these pictures, in fact, there's a picture on the wall in our studio, uh, Corrado, of the Colosseum, you you realize that that came directly from the destroyed Temple in Jerusalem. That's what you're saying? Yes, the funding of, of, of that construction came from selling the, the menorah, the trumpets, the slaves coming from Jerusalem, yeah. making money and pay the workers to build up the Colosseum. Wow. I don't think American tourists understand that when we stand in front of the Colosseum and snap our photographs. So that's amazing. Well, it's that's a fairly new idea, isn't it, Corrado? They, they found... Um, uh, they were excavating around the Colosseum, and they found basically the the nail holes where there were uh, words that had been mounted on the wall that said "from the temple in Jerusalem." Is am, am I even close in details there? Uh, there is a lot of excavation right now around the Colosseum, even because uh, they are uh, working on uh, the new metro station for a new subway line mm-hmm. and because of that digging they re- yes they found new things new ruins just around the Colosseum that also confirmed this connection with uh, uh, the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem mm. that is, I just find that so fascinating take us back then to the aftermath of the fire and and what life was like for the believers who were being persecuted well uh, 
the life of the Christians in in Rome in that period of time, uh, since also we had some high insights from Paul's letter and the house of arrest of the Apostle Paul in Rome, he tried to connect with the Jewish communities because there were strong Jewish communities. Today we know at least five Jewish catacombs in uh, in Rome and 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 this is an evidence how large was the Jewish community in Rome mm-hmm. and for sure uh as was one of the way to spread out the gospel many of the Jews uh were converted uh to Christianity and uh and so uh there was this mixed a community of disciple of Jesus uh, out of the Jewish community and from the Gentile culture. And that is why we have an evidence even in the letter to the Romans written by the Apostle Paul, especially from chapter 9 to 11, that um, address this issue uh, to to let to let the, the, the Christians know how they can... Uh, respect each other because uh, one is uh, is the branch and the other are the roots mm-hmm. and both of them are connected with Jesus mm-hmm. and uh, and so the 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 community was really challenged by uh the 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 persecution of the next door neighbor mainly more than just the authority, but it was really the next door people that were persecuting this these Christians because of their new lifestyle that was in tune with God's will and uh, against idolatry and everything that comes with that. Mm. And p- part of the confusion in Romans too isn't that isn't didn't Claudius expel all the Jews, which include the Jewish Christians? And then after Claudius dies, they come back. And, and I've understood that the book of Romans is the, the church trying to, um, I mean, reconcile the differences. I mean, it's been Gentile leadership while those Jews were gone, and now they're back. And we've got we've to work together again. Yeah, yes, exactly. And uh, also in the book of Acts, we read about uh, Aquila and Priscilla, this couple that was coming from Rome because of the law of the Emperor Claudio that uh, took out of the city all the Jews, and yeah. Christians were confused with the Jews' community. Yeah. And, and also that happened because of the claim uh, and complaint uh, of the people of Rome against the business that was, were run by the Jewish community. Mm. So the Emperor Claudius, to please and and, and, and to uh, give an answer to those complaints, uh, he expelled all the Jews that were working in Rome. And that happened that even Christians that were confused, like Aquila and Priscilla, uh, have to leave Rome, and after the death of the Emperor, they came back. And, and and we know from the greetings in the book, uh, in the letter to the Romans, uh, the Apostle Paul gave greetings even to Aquila and Priscilla that at that time were back to Rome. Well, this conversation has enriched all of us. I, I'm so grateful, Dr. Primavera, for joining us here today. Michael, this is a good friend that brings a lot to the program. And, and a great resource. And uh, we we appreciate you giving us uh, so generously of your time, Corrado. Yeah, I hope we can contact you again. Oh, my pleasure. I really enjoy having this conversation with you. Once again, all the way from Rome, Corrado Primavera. What a good friend of Michael's and all of us now here through the podcast. Thank you, Corrado. Well, we've talked about the persecution of the believers in Rome at that time. I think a great song, Michael, to ask you to sing for us. Uh, This was recorded in the studio, Never Will I Leave You. Trust in me and keep your life free from what the love of money will do. Am I not 
enough for you and never will I leave you that's something I'll never enjoy hearing Michael sing that and hearing John Ketchings on the cello. We're coming to the halfway point of this session. We're excited to announce that this program is now available on Spotify. Look for it when you search for Michael Card. There's more available at michaelcard.com that can amplify what we present here in the studio. Stay current with Michael's weekly blog posts. Check out the books and music that can help you go deeper in the study of God's Word. Podcast subscription details and the program audio archive and details for contacting us can be found at michaelcard.com. Coming up, Doc Feuder, our focus on cities continues. Join us for a classic edition of In the Studio with Michael Card. We'll open up the program archives and present a session recorded at the Mole End Studio. The Bible teaching, guest conversations, and studio music performances are some of the most inspiring times when we gathered in Franklin, Tennessee. The instruments are tuned, the Bible is open, so make sure you join us. Look for the post and invite other like minds to hear the podcast. All the details at michaelcard.com. Michael, if we ended the program right here, I know for me, it would be a blessing to have had what we've heard so far. Yeah, there's so much that happens off mic. (laughs) The real meat of this program doesn't happen on the microphone. But we've had a terrific first half hour, and we're going to have a terrific second half hour. I really believe that. We have John Doc Feuder sitting here. We Mm -hmm. call him Doc. Doc Doc, Okay. And uh, we're going to talk in depth with you, Doc. But before we do, when you were invited by Joe Carlson to come to the studio... You said, I want to hear a Michael song, and you yeah. had a specific song in mind. I did. I had both Scandal on and Joy of the Journey, and um, Joy of the Journey has, has I've longed for that to be true in my life, uh. but Scandal on, the, the, the absolute scandal that was the, 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 the Jesus Christ and that the gospel cuts across the grain mm. of so much of what we in our humanists would be about, and in this season of life, watching the gospel have great impact in the city of Chicago through his people engaged and mobilized, mm. uh, to, to me, is, is a tremendous glimpse of what really, truly is the essence of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that song's been a blessing in my mm. life for a long time. Now, this is not from a CD. But it was previously recorded. Previously recorded in the studio. Get it? In the studio right. with Michael Card, Doc. Right. So, uh, okay. Right. Requested by Doc Feuder. Here's yes. Michael Card, Scandal on. One, two. Three, four. 
the weighted one would make men stumble But they were looking for a king to conquer and to kill Who'd have ever thought he'd be so meek and humble He would be the truth that will offend them one and all A stone that makes men stumble and a rock that makes them fall And many will be broken so that he can make them Stubborn scandal on And all who come this way Must be offended Some he is a barrier To others he's the way For all should know The scandal of believing He will be the truth That will offend them One and all A stone that makes men stumble And a rock that makes them fall And many will be broken So that he can make them whole And many will be crushed and Scandalon offends no one at all For the image we present can be stepped over Could it be that we're like the others long ago Will we ever learn that all who come must stumble And he will be the truth that will offend them one and all A stone that makes men stumble and a rock that makes them fall And many will be broken so that he can make them whole Amen. Uh, you know, the phrase in there, we will be the truth that make men stumble mm-hmm. is something that when I first heard that song years ago too, Michael, I, I, I've wanted my life to be that mm-hmm. and, and to authenticate anything I would say by what I would do. You have to be really careful when you ask things like uh, that because now boy. you're standing on street corners I know. offending yeah, people and causing true. people to stumble. So we did, and we did that just this past Friday night with a big old crosses on our shoulder. Oh, and, my goodness. And, and, and literally um, identifying the fact that, you know, Christ gave his life on a cross so that people need not die in these streets of Chicago. Mm. So that, in wow. some ways, is a scandal to some going by um, um, in certain corners, you know, where that was not a message that people would warmly want. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I think it really captures the essence of really what you just have taught us through that song, mm-hmm. Michael. Mm-hmm. And to be able to have a small piece of entering into that uh, is, is really quite an honor, mm-hmm. quite a privilege. Let's give this man a proper introduction. Yes. What do you say? Uh, John Feuder, Dr. John Feuder, again, we call him Doc, uh, is with Heart for the City, uh, based in Chicago, but it's a national yeah. ministry, really. It is, and, yeah. And you've been in other countries as well with it. That's true. 40 years in urban ministry. That's that's remarkable. Wow. The Lord's been so faithful. It's I know you would say very that. Very faithful. Yeah. Yeah, it's an honor. It's a privilege. I can't believe it. Asking God for many more. Maybe not 40. I'd be a really old geezer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd be 100. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Lord, I want to just keep walking and stride with your spirit in this season. Well, Doc, as we begin, here's my question. You know, I live in the suburbs of Chicago. Um, when people around the country, and we have listeners all over in other parts of the world, when they think Chicago now, they don't think Al Capone. They think about the summer violence yeah. that characterizes yeah. Chicago. How would you have people think and, and well, look I, at Chicago? Yeah, I, I, I think it's on us. I think it's on the church, in a sense, to help change that narrative, Wayne, because there is there is truth to that. I, and I, my, my travels in different cities in the country, oh, we're praying for Chicago. You know, we hear, we hear so much about the violence mm-hmm. in Chicago. And uh, so in, in many respects, comparatively nationally, our, our numbers far outdistance any others. But I, but what what I would want people to be more mindful of, and the collective effort that is, pray Chicago, Chicago United in prayer, hands across Chicago, building blocks of peace, are these efforts to mobilize the church, to in a sense wear our prayers to be uh, out of our seats and into the streets is a phrase we could use mm. to make peace happen, so to speak, mm. uh, on these corners, to be peacemakers, to intercept, if you will. Uh, um, illicit activity. We we know where the hot spots are. We know where the most violent neighborhoods are in the city of Chicago, and so to do so in a way 
that uh, takes good news right to places of pain and 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 hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw this happen Memorial Day weekend in Hands Across Chicago. It was breathtaking to see hundreds. I suspect if we did the math, we would have seen thousands of Christ followers out. Wow. And and that's what we would love to see. Hey, something's going up down in Chicago. Something's going on. And the narrative is starting to change, and those numbers are decreasing a bit, probably for many reasons, community policing. But what if the prayers of God's people are contributing to that? And so that's a that's a very lofty goal and vision, but we're starting to get some buy-in and traction to that. Well, now you're saying, I mean, we spend most of our try- time trying to get people in the seats. <laughs> yes. So you're saying— we need to, need to do the opposite and get them out. Well, I, I think it's a both end, obviously, because uh-huh. the, the role of the church, you know, equipping the saints for the purpose of ministry of pastor, certainly. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, having taught at Moody for a lot of years, we helped shape a lot of pastors. I, I think, though, the, the authenticity of our faith and uh, what it is that we, we do with it or seeking to be the truth, as we referenced your song, Michael, is in direct proportion to the way we uh, authenticate. We're, we're doers of the word. Um, that that's the part I think that we're trying to understand. That uh, for the for the church to really be seen as as more than just a gathering beautifully on Sundays in a building, but that we are the bride of Christ and we take the good news out to where it's visible, where people can see it and taste it. That's what we're wanting. So we get fed on Sunday, but yes. we actualize it. You said that. Yeah. The rest of the week. Exactly. Yeah, could we, you know, we used to, what's that phrase, TJIF, thanks God it's Friday. What, what if we could, what, what if we could say, thank God it's Monday, like, wow, <laughs> I get to, I get to go represent Jesus, you, you, you wow. know, I, and that's true for anybody in the marketplace, et cetera. But I think particularly when you, our city's not unique to this. There are, I should probably know the number of evangelical churches in Chicagoland. There are hundreds and mm. hundreds. Yeah. You know the number of neighborhoods, though. Yeah, I do know the 77 neighborhoods, and I, wow, I know the number the of 22 police <laughs> districts and 270 beats, you know, so we're wow. learning. But, but um, wow. uh, I recently drove down a stretch of our city when we were out late, early morning of this effort, Hands Across Chicago, and I actually lost count of the dozens of churches I passed by in an under-resourced community, about 40 blocks where the, the gates were up, you know, it was Friday night, it wasn't Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And I thought if those churches were, were open in times of, of difficulty and pain, mm-hmm. imagine the impact that could have in some of these neighborhoods. So so what does that look like? Though? What, what yeah. are you guys doing on the yeah. street? Well, so this starts with, so picture these rhythms. We've, we've tried to establish Chicagoland United in prayer. We gather large to pray to start the new year which is beautiful. Thousands of people come to pray. And then this last January, we committed to the Nehemiah Initiative. We had little cardboard boxes painted like with names of Chicago's neighborhoods on, all 77. So we had 77 pastor leaders stand and say, we were committing in a sense to be on the wall, to rebuild our city, okay. to, to go from Nehemiah chapter one, his prayer to chapter two, to, to, you know, rate, mobilize a team chapter three to start to rebuild chapter four. Mm-hmm. So we do training in the spring, Michael, first Saturday of March, April, May, North side, West side, South side, uh, wow. scores of people came together led by practitioners to say, this is how we're going to put legs on this. And it's launched on Memorial day weekend. So summer, engagement is what we're calling this season, Memorial Day Labor Day. Spring training was the season that we have come out of. And summer is the difficult season. Summer is the season in our city when violence spikes. And it did again, despite all these efforts, there were 39 shootings in Chicago Memorial Day weekend. Seven people died. And and that, you know, we could say, wow, those numbers were less. But the reality is that's still tragic. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we do so in a way where we, we we ground this in God's heart, obviously, for those that are lost, for the hurting. We do practical ways of having gospel conversations on the street. We bring prayer there. We bring crosses on these corners. Last summer, we had a thousand crosses out throughout the whole city of Chicago to symbolize the fact that that Christ has triumphed over all these things. Mm-hmm. We engage in conversations, and then the, the follow-up is, are you aware of, 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 of a church in this neighborhood or any ways that we can serve your family, do some needs assessment? The goal is to try to roll that all summer long, and, and as we approach the end of the summer to celebrate it as we did a year ago, wow, look what God did. Look what more he wants to do. And then the fall season is one of relational going deeper. So we invite, last summer, I think we had 70, 80 pastors in the room. We'd like to increase or double those numbers this year, spend a day together praying. And that what is God putting on our heart as we look into 2020? Mm. What, what, what are ways that, what must we do together that we cannot do on our own? How can we weave 
some of our denominational things in such a way, uh, socioeconomic um, places where we can come together, black, brown, yellow, white. What does that mean for us to be the big C church in, in Chicagoland? So, okay, Doc, when, uh, when you encounter someone who lives in one of these neighborhoods who experiences this violence, whether directly or indirectly, because they live there, right. and they come in contact with you, what's their yeah. reaction? Well, you know, I, I can literally quote someone who voices to me. When we started uh, as Pray Chicago about five, six years ago, large gatherings of prayer, and in, in we would move throughout the city breathtaking. And we thought, what if we could take this to the west side of Chicago where there's often been places where a lot of violence has sparked? So then we thought, what if we, what if we took it to the streets uh, instead of in, in the sanctuary, let's, let's take it out of the building. So in starting to build these relationships in order to do that, a gentleman said, uh, Doc, in this neighborhood, bullets fly and people die. It's, it's not, we've done this prayer thing. It's not enough to pray in the building, we need to wear our prayers onto the corners. Mm. And and uh, a number of us really heard that and started to kind of recalibrate, like, what if it's a both and? What if we, in a sense, pray to release ourselves to engage in communities like that? Now, the challenge for that is um, the, the awkwardness, honestly, some of the fear that some people have sure. in doing that. Some of these communities, uh, even when we were out last Friday night, man, there's a lot of stuff going on. And, and so you have to prepare people uh, to partner together with those that are streetwise, that are, are savvy, not mm-hmm. to be foolish, right. uh, but to do so uh, prayed up. And we literally take communion on these corners, which is mm. powerful to claim these corners again for Christ. And so the, the urgency of in our city, Weston Southside, where a lot of violence takes place, has compelled us to want to stand with our brothers and sisters and say, we hear you. And uh, we want to learn from you, and we want to uh, understand what it is to truly be our brother's keeper, so to speak, in these mm-hmm. communities. And and I think in, in the last couple of years as we've sought to do this, now we're beginning to see scale. We've gone deeper so we can go wider. And the numbers of folk that are rallying to be part of this uh, are, are increasing because I think we've authenticated it a bit, you, you know, to, to say— uh, we, we're going to stand with you in places where bullets have flown, you know. Uh, Your presence has yeah, made a difference. Yeah, that's, yeah, you said it. You said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Presence of God's people. So that's what we're learning and trying to deepen and grow. Yeah. I I just can't get over the, the magnitude of this vision. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a huge vision in, in the, the way you've articulated and the way it's uh, coordinated. It's it's just blowing. It's blowing my mind. There's a lot of people, Michael, that are leading into this, and um, a number of you know. I had the privilege of teaching at Moody Bible for a lot of years, and we would place our students in undergrad, practical Christian ministry, grad students, uh-huh. internships, and the number of those pastor leaders, some of whom I had the privilege of having at Moody in the city still, mm. there's deep connections there. And, and and we get it. I taught evangelism classes for 17 years at Moody. And so we used to be on the streets a lot doing things. But so, talk about the diversity of people involved in this. Yeah, That's and, another and miracle this, story, it, isn't it? Was it was very, very intentional to go uh, to build bridges into the African-American and Latino community, especially. Mm-hmm. Friendships were formed. Uh, Bishop Hudson, Apostle Carlos Chica, Dear, dear men that had had literally mobilized hundreds, even thousands of people to pray right next to our collective effort, which was not exclusively, uniquely Caucasian, but pretty heavily that. Mm-hmm. So we thought, what if in the spirit of John 17, Jesus' prayer toward oneness, what if we could begin to unify our efforts? And so there, Chicagoland United in Prayer uh, was, was uh, that name was suggested by an African-American pastor who, let's call this what it's becoming, and it's even spilling over into the suburbs right now where we're taping this program. So the intent of being black, brown, yellow, white, um, and, and in it, one gospel, one church, one cry, uh, has sort of been an adage there. And then crossing um, interdenominational lines as well, has been beautiful, seeing Presbyterians and Pentecostals and Baptists and Church God in Christ and Apostolic and Assembly, has that's where you believe God is really up to something because we are setting aside some of our styles, so to speak. We all yeah. name the name of Jesus, but we are deferring to each other. And, and, I, and I sense that growing and, and inconveniencing each other for the greater good, planning similar efforts and say, let's, what if we did this together? What if he calendarized some of these efforts, these rhythms that we've been working on? So 
we're really seeing that happen. And, and, and the I, leadership is diverse as oh, well. Oh, it's very diverse. It has yeah, to be. Yeah, and, 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 it's, and, and I'm a, as a 62-year-old man, I'm, many of these are younger guys that, that I'm, I'm longing to pour my life into and say, guys, we, 10 years from now, what if we could really keep, you know, stay on the wall, so to speak? Mm-hmm. And, and you guys are going to have to run point on some of this to do it. But yeah, our, our core team yeah. is looking more and more like the city of Chicago as it, as it should be. And that's a beautiful thing. And part of this vision is that you will go to other cities and teach them these strategies we, we, we as do. well. Yeah. I'll be in LA this weekend. In fact, that we're taping this show and, and, uh, Heart for the City is is designed to to really try to be available to churches that have a heart for their city, mm-hmm. so to speak, but to coach them up on, on, on God's heart for the city, God's heart for the marginalized, and in ways to what we simply call engage your community. So Moody Press put a booklet together, neighborhood mapping, and we use that as a framework on on these seminars to to equip the church to identify needs in their community yeah. and then roll up their sleeves and engage and, in it. And you have a workable model. You can demonstrate how this has that, worked. That's the desire, yeah. Michael, is that we authenticate it here in Chicago, yeah. that I can say, look, man, we don't got this all going on, but look what we're learning in the laboratory of Chicago. Yeah. And we want to bring that to you know, Kiev and Manila and Nairobi wow. and cities, even internationally as well. And as Franklin. And Franklin. <laughs> there we go. Franklin. Stop Franklin. What a great vision. It really yeah. is. Uh, Heart for the City is yes. the website. Yeah. We'll put the website in our Thank program you. notes yeah. for in the studio so our listeners know where to and go. And there's a that. downloadable prayer guide. There is. There is. Yeah. The Chicago Neighborhood Prayer Guide. This is a good guide for um, anyone, though, isn't it? it? It is. For anybody that would want to join us in praying through all 77 neighbors, uh, mm. neighborhoods of Chicago, it's electronic and hard copy as well. All right. Go to the website. You'll find it in our program notes. Doc, yes. you asked for a second song Yes, I did. All right. You want to introduce the song? Joy of the Journey. <laughs> my, my wife and I, when we first heard that, we have longed that that be true of our life. As mm. uh, those now that are in an emptiness season, God, that the joy of our journey would truly be, and you know, you'll know, appreciate this, Michael, it's the journey as much as the destination that mm-hmm. we're, we're tra- as, we, as we mobilize Chicagoland United in prayer, I'm like, guys, it's, it's, it's the journey getting to what we long for God to do relationally, going deep with each other. Let's just celebrate that. Yeah. And, and that, that's one of the many things that that song has sparked my life for a lot of years, brother. I yeah. just want well, to thanks. say thank you. Thank you. I think Michael should sing it for us. I do too. <laughs> here in the studio. I do too. Love on the way. There- 
freedom for those who obey. As requested by our guest, Doc Feuder, here today, joy in the journey. And we've covered a lot of territory today, again, from ancient urban Rome to mm-hmm. modern urban America. Yeah. I'd be interested in your reflection on what, what we've done here today, Michael. Well, I, I, I think you understand, you have to understand that the expression of faith uh, in Jesus takes place in the context of communities, so small communities and, and large communities. And it's, it's the, the persecution and the battles that we fought, they started... 64 AD up to 2019. In this world, you will have trouble. That's right, and and on on they go. But um, I think the Christian community has always been a redemptive presence. I mean, I think from Dr. Feuder, we we see that. Here's a group of people that are praying for the peace of the city. Mm -hmm. um, In the midst of strife and and, violence. And and being persecuted for it. And uh, and I think you see that uh, all the way back, I mean, as far as the very first Christian community in, in Jerusalem, who were also persecuted, the the continuity in an odd sort of way is comforting to me. Mm. Uh, I understand and, that, yeah. And and you 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 go to a book uh, like Hebrews and you see uh, chapter eleven where there's this whole list of the heroes of faith and uh, t- talks at the, at the end of, uh, of of the chapter about how they lived in caves and how they went about in animal skins and and how much they suffered. Uh, but there's this reference to cities in the middle of the in the middle of the chapter. These all died in faith. Uh, this is Hebrews 11:13. Uh, These all died in faith, although they had not received the things that were promised, but they saw them from a distance, greeted them, and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. Now those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they were thinking about where they came from, they would have an opportunity to return. But they now desired a better place, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So Rome and Chicago and Franklin, those are just uh, stops along the way to the city of God. Yes, well, no matter where you live, we trust today's focus on cities has stirred you to stay faithful as you follow Christ. If this has been the case, share your reactions to our podcast on Facebook or use the contact section on our website, microcard.com. And if you need to listen to this program again or have missed a recent program, just look for past sessions online. And we're happy to announce that this program is now available on Spotify. Our website has been fully updated so it's easy to find out more details about today's guests and Michael's ministry. Come explore all that's waiting for you at microcard.com. You can access Michael's weekly blog posts, learn about his conference ministry, and get the links for subscribing, all at michaelcard.com. I'm Wayne Shepherd for all of us here on the team. Thanks for listening, and be sure to join us next time in the studio with Michael Card.